Welcome on in to the Sports on Tap Seattle podcast. This is part one, Mariners on Tap edition. Part two is the Seahawks edition. Uh, a little bit of both. And we are here in sunny Phoenix, Arizona doing a hookah talk. I'm Sammy on Tap. And I'm George on Tap, George Arjour, a.k.a. Big Bro. That's all. I have no more AKA. I'm AKA the little bro. We're here uh, ready to do a little outdoor pod. We usually do this on our Sports on Tap. If you look up Sports on Tap Brothers podcast, we talk all sports. We do a hookah talk. We're two Middle Eastern Syrian brothers. Um, so we have a little twist on our main podcast. And today we said we're already set up. Might as well do it for our Seattle pod. Why not, man? You know, give get a little nice. Uh, we're here in Arizona. Good weather, warm, so a little hookah shisha session never hurts anybody. Or gile, hookah, shisha, whatever you like to call it. And uh, it helps ease the uh, whatever you like to do, drink, smoke cigarettes, smoke some weed, smoke some hookah, whatever it does to help ease the pain of the Mariners is uh, usually good. But they're about to start here soon in San Diego, so hopefully a nice sweep. But uh, here we are, George. So far, a little disappointing. Very, very disappointing. And I guess that's going to be into my first topic of the show sammy do you think patience is the big problem for the mariners and i'm gonna give a little context here t oscar hernandez leads the league with 80 strikeouts second suarez with 71 then volpe on the uh yankees and then julio Rodriguez, 70 strikeouts jared kelenic 70 strikeouts four of the top five players in the american league are mariners and strikeouts it's not good obviously the only one that doesn't bother me is jared because He's obviously having a little more of a breakout year. Yep. Um, we knew with Suarez that he strikes out a lot. Yeah, I mean, Suarez was one of the top five in strikeouts over the last five years now. He was top five in home runs, too. Like, you live without – you need one power hitter that does that. And the Mariners actually lack a power hitter, like a true DH. He's a third baseman. But they lack, like, a true big man that just strikeouts and hits home runs yep. sometimes. So he's fine a little bit. And the Kelnick part is, at the end of the day, he's been a different ball player this year, so I can't even be frustrated with the strikeouts. At least he's – Hitting, okay, he's not walking much, maybe, but he's hitting the ball more than anybody else on the team. Uh, the Julio one is tough to see because it's not like the Kelnick situation where he's also, you know, is hitting the ball so great over the beginning of the year. But I will say Julio's bat has been better yeah, recently. I was going to ask you, do you think with like Julio, I don't know the numbers of May, but I would not assume he's in the top five strikeouts in May in, Amer- in American League. This is over the season. He had a tough April, but his May was Especially the second half of May was pretty fantastic. Yeah, a lot of those strikeouts, like the big number of them probably came April, early May, and then they've probably reduced. Patience is important with this Mariners team. One, because last year this is what we saw happen, right? We saw a team that struggled but essentially hit a hot stride at one point, that 14-15 game winning streak, and like it, it, it helped us a lot, obviously get us into the playoffs, get us in the right position. The only problem is, like, I'll have that patience this year, but what is the likelihood that it happens again? 14 is probably not happening again. But, like, what is the likelihood a team gets really hot and wins, you know, 15 out of 20? That's that You have to be, like, the best team in baseball, which yeah. is what we were for a stretch. And yeah. that's hard to expect from the team right now. Yeah, to be where our expectations were met, right, is to go 25-5 and five over a 30-game stretch. Like a stretch where we get super hot, start, you know, chopping away games, the AL West, unfortunately, seems almost out of reach already. We've seen crazier things in baseball. 
but the wild card were six games out right now, and it's just it's tough to swallow. And I think patience. We have been over and over and over and over again as like an organization. Like if you go back years and years and years, strikeouts have always plagued us. They've always plagued us. Well, I would just even outside of just strikeouts, batting's plagued us a lot in certain scenarios. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, the team, T-Mobile Park will do that to you. But you see someone like Aaron Judge comes to T-Mobile and just rakes. Yeah, but he's on a different level. True. So I don't want to use Aaron Judge as a good comparison because that's like using— Yeah, you don't want to judge with Aaron Judge. Yeah, you don't want to judge with Aaron Judge or Otani or Altuve or, like, Jordan Alvarez. Or like, Mike Trout. Yeah, we're talking about guys that are, like, some of the top 10, 15 guys in baseball, which— Unfortunately, that's what we expected from Julio this year, which he's shaping into. But I think in general, I don't know if it's the strikeouts that are bothering me more than, you know, just overall playing bad baseball, right? Like, at the end of the day, yeah, the strikeouts play a big factor. But you could also be Jared Kelnick, who's striking out a lot, but he's playing. He's probably going to be our only all-star this year. You have to well, have one. I mean, who knows? If or he doesn't get voted – well, if he doesn't get voted in, right, like – Major League Baseball coaches and like the organization might just put Julio in there because he's the face of a franchise. Or Castillo. Or Castillo. Um, maybe both, right? Like Kelnick might put up all star numbers and not actually become an all star because the outfield position in Major League Baseball is so deep. Yeah, and I want to look at Kelnick's numbers really quick because he's definitely not as effective as he was like a month ago. Yeah. He's, he's playing fine, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this in a extremely negative way just in general he hasn't been the exact same player that he was at the beginning of the year right now he's at let's see he's 270 i mean he's doing fine i mean i'll live with 270 but he was more near 300 last month so it's obviously you know slowed down it's taking a little dip if him and julio were batting with the same hotness they were at the same time this team might have we might be looking at the record in a totally different way right now yeah, I'll tell you this too. If Kelnick is last thirty games, he's batting two thirty nine. Last fifteen, two thirty six. Last seven, two oh eight. So, I mean, last thirty, the last month, it's been a two forty hitter, not a three hundred hitter. Right. So That's also been a little difficult. Um, and those strikeouts probably probably play a big role in that too. But overall, with the question of patience, um, my patience is running dry a little bit yeah. because. Uh, you can't okay like just to bring back last year for a second last year if it wasn't for that 14 game run we're looking at another disappointing team right okay if, if that run was a i don't know let's say instead of 14 it was seven and set or not even that's bad uh like nine and what would that be nine and four right. or whatever we wouldn't have been as close in the standing still we probably might have been like we barely we won the wild card by what we got to the wild card by two games three two games yeah. i think yeah we were in a battle of baltimore at the end of the season and this year it's a little bit different because i was looking at some numbers and the yankees who are in the third wild card spot right now are on pace to win 95 games so 95 yeah. games might be needed to make the playoffs and that seems very very of a they're daunting not even task top, they're the third in their division also right that's what uh, i'm saying yeah that's the third wild card yeah i mean right now i'm just gonna read to you it's obviously a little daunting but Right now, this is how the wins line up in the American League. We are four spots out of the wild card, six games back already. Tampa Bay has 43 wins. Texas has 39. Minnesota, 31, but they're first in the division. 
37 for Baltimore, 36 for Houston, 36 for New York. And those are teams that all got hot recently. Yep. 33 for Toronto, 31 for LA, 30 for Boston, 29 for us. We are much closer to the White Sox, who are third to last at 26 wins, than we are to the wild card. So Absolutely it's, it's, uh, shocking. Yeah, it's not. I don't. It's tough because I think last year might have set up some unrealistic expectations. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have had those. We won the wild card games, two of them in Toronto, and we mm-hmm. played a really competitive series, 18-inning uh, game against the Houston we lost and a bottom-of-the-ninth-inning walk-off home run that we lost when we put in Robbie Ray in Houston. You know, if one or two pitches go different in that series, we were maybe up a game or up yeah, two games absolutely. and win the series. So, like, that, that, that series was, uh, like, really we were a pitch or two away from a completely different outcome. So it set us up for unrealistic expectations, but it's also set us up to, like, lose patience this year. Whether it's warranted or not, mm-hmm. that's the question I was going to ask you is, is, is the running out of patience warranted or is this really the ball club we were we made some changes, but they weren't that significant, obviously, with Wong and Hernandez. Hernandez was supposed to be a bigger pickup. He's doing okay, but Wong's been obviously awful. He should be triple, He should be optioned down to AAA. Yeah. It, is, is, it, is it wrong for us to, to run out of patience with this team? Like, did we have unrealistic expectations? Maybe. I mean, we, are, we have, like, our two best hitters, I guess, are, I mean, technically Kelnick and Julio, and they're both young, so maybe we need to breed a little more patience. But I'm talking about plate patience. I think that's our biggest problem as a team. Yeah, well, I think that problem is going to continue a little bit because right now when you have a guy like Julio trying to get back to being a you know, 280 and 30 home run guy, and you have Kelnick who started off the year hot, and you have Hernandez who's like, why am I not batting the way I am? Uh you know, Ty France has actually been decent, but he's also he went through some slumps already this I year. Know. I think it's one of those situations where I don't blame the guys for having a lack of patience sometimes at the plate because they know that they're in their book at least is they're extremely underperforming to the expectations. Absolutely, man. So hopefully we can turn around and uh, get some plate patience, and then the fan base can get some patience for the organization. I hope so because it's time. All right. The big second question today, George. I wanted to ask you it because I have a for sure passionate answer. Should the Mariners be making moves at the trade deadline? I don't know if they should be, only if it's the right move. And uh, Jerry Depoto was on uh, uh, ESPN 710, whatever you want to call it, now My Northwest. And he was saying that the way they like to make moves is someone who will be here for the future, not just a bat, but like last year, Luis Castillo, where he had a two-year deal and they were able to sign him to a long-term extension. And I would say the only way we should make moves on the trade deadline, if that's something that's going to be part of our future, not just like a stopgap bat for one season or a pitcher for one season. We need someone who's going to be here for the long run. Yeah, I hate to say it, but we're not the Rangers or the Astros right now who are like, hey, one more bat might win us a World Series. Um, like let's trade for a guy with an expiring contract that we can use as a 300 hitter. Like exactly. we're not in that scenario. I my strong answer is no. Yeah. Because I don't think even one. Now I guess it depends what should they do it. If it's really obviously a good trade, like a Castillo trade, I guess you would always say yes because uh, they're a great ball player, but. I'm going to say no in the sense of don't make a trade that hinders some of your future, like 
to a good prospect that could be coming up next year. We've seen a lot of our young pitchers mm-hmm. come up and play well. Some young bats, like even Caballero, has been pretty decent for us as a young he guy. He's actually been pretty good. Yeah, for a young guy, like you got some guys down there. We don't know what's going to happen with Wu because he had a really awful start, but they put him against the best batting team in the AL, so or second best, I guess, after Tampa Bay. So that was a little unfair of a start to judge him. But we've seen Bryce Miller come in and do well. We've seen uh, we're gonna we're gonna see more of Wu. Kirby and Gilbert came up the last two years mm-hmm. and were great. Julio, Kelnick now. So like, I don't want to completely risk our you know a future good prospect if it's an expectation that's gonna help us win this year. Because as my friend. Riley Brooks said it on a text. That's when I learned this expression. I think I told you it today, yesterday was, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. Like, it's just going to pretty it up a little bit, but, like, it's not going to make it perfect. Yeah, but at the same time, like, sometimes you might be a good-looking female, but you just don't have the right makeup on you. That could be what the Mariners are. We're not, though, because we have five, six different places that aren't doing well. So, like, that's... I'm saying we could. I mean, here's the thing. Like, if you go look through our team, I would say the outfield, we don't really need anything. The problem is we have a lot of average, right? Like, what do we need? I mean, you could say a second baseman, but Caballero's been fine. Yeah, a second baseman and a DH? We need a DH. Yeah, so here's some options I have for you. Uh, This is from uh, Seattle Sports. Option one, the Diamondbacks. They have a ton of, ton of outfielders that they um they have, they're almost platooning them cincinnati's jonathan india who could uh and we do a lot of trades of cincinnati as as we all know um those are like the two big things a guy named jonathan india for the uh, cincinnati red seems like someone that has been linked to us and i don't know much about jonathan india but let's pull up his stats for you here Jonathan India is a infielder, so he'd play second base for the Mariners if he was coming. He's batting 276 this year, um, and he's young. He was born in 96, so you know he's 27 years old, uh, six home runs, 29 RBIs, 274. Would something like that intrigue you to fix the second base position? Not really. Me either. Because what's that going to do? Uh, how, uh, like, what, how many wins is a uh, I mean, – what's his war? One? <laughs> like, help us with a win on this season, yeah. right? Like, we're going to go from 29 and 30 to 31 and 29 and still be out of the wild card. Like, as much as, you know, obviously, if you told me we're making a trade for a huge bat, even if it doesn't equate winning this year, if you tell me we're making a trade for a uh, Jazz Chisholm or a yeah. Aaron Judge or a Mike Trout, of course I'd always say yes. But a guy that's like maybe like a slightly wins above replacement, what's that going to do for this year? Give us an extra win or two and still miss the wild card by four games. Yeah, but if he's a guy who's going to be here for six years, is that something you'd want? Like, Or do you just wait until next year and go into the free agents market and go shopping that way? I would just play out this year. Let's see if somehow Caballero just turns out to be a consistent 260 hitter. That's how I feel as well. Let's see if um, maybe Wong after some time. I mean, like Wong has been a guy who's played good baseball in his career. There's a ch- sometimes change of scenery hurts guys a little bit, but they just need some time to figure it out. I don't like. I'd rather not give up on guys we've paid, um, and go for a guy that we're not 100 percent sure it's going to equate to us being much better. Of course, like that's easier said than done because if you're Jerry Depoto and a Scott Service, and you know you're also trying to make sure your job stays secure and you end up the season well because if this team spirals out of control 
That's that's on you, Jerry, and that's on Scott. Serve those are the people that get fired, not players. Players will just end up on another team. <laughs> yeah, it's much easier to trade a GM, uh, get rid of a GM and a coach, than get rid of your whole roster. Exactly. So I don't think, I don't think Jerry will see it the same way that I'm seeing it. But at the same time, I do expect him to make some types of moves. My problem is a lot of our moves have been lateral moves the last six to twelve months outside of the Castillo trade. Yeah. Um, Hernandez is was supposed to not be a lateral move, but it's kind of like it turned into one. Yeah, I mean, like I'm not saying our outfield was good with like the Hanegers and the Winkers last year, but it we made the playoffs. It was fun. Yeah, DH like Carlos Santana would be nice right now. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to resign him. I think he was cheaper than AJ Pollock. Yeah. Pollock doesn't even see the field anymore. Yeah, because he's not very good. Yeah, so that's where my trades sometimes are like. You know, when I look at it, is it really worth it? Like, if we were to trade for an A.J. Pollock, you know, you'd say, before he's on your team, you'd say, oh, nice trade. Like, yeah. might be really useful. But, like, is it really that useful? If he's, not right if now. He's not, not a great player. Not it might right not be that good. now. That's yeah. fair enough to say. So, my conclusion is don't make trades unless, like, we get in a really hot streak come trade deadline. Fair enough. Hot streak changes everything. Like last year. Always. Well, we have a good relay from last topic. I'll let you ask it. All right, Sammy. And I think our fan base might have some mixed reactions on this, but do Jerry DePoto and Scott Service deserve more of a blame for what's going on with the Seattle Mariners team this season? Um, I'm going to leave Scott out of this for a second because now this if a baseball junkie hears this, probably not going to love this comment, but... I don't like to put that much blame on a manager because yeah. at the end of the day, the guys on the field have to hit. And if the guys in the field aren't hitting, I'm also going to put that more towards the rest of the coaching staff, like hitting coaches and the GM who signed these guys and thought he was the guy that was going to help us. Yes, you can say maybe Scott's benched Kelnick against lefties a couple too many times, even though he's been hitting good against him. But, like, what's his other options right now, right? Put in more A.J. Pollock or put in more Wong? I just don't know what else – I don't know how much more he can do. I, I don't think anything in his coaching philosophy changed to make Julio go from a 280 hitter to a 230 hitter, right? So yeah, that's where it, I struggle with managers in baseball because there's not many there's not many plays like in football or or basketball, right? And it's like a guy's doing one thing four times a game. That's it. Yeah, so but we've we've seen like teams like the Boston Red Sox get rid of Alex Cora for a year because he had his thing, have a bad year, he, they come back, same team. They're good. We saw uh, the coach of the uh, manager of the Blue Jays last year came in midseason, turned that whole entire team around. I think sometimes like motivation could play an aspect out of it. I'm not saying Scott doesn't motivate the players or anything like that. I'm not in that dugout. But I don't know. There's just like something seems stale. It's been so many years with them with one playoff appearance. I like Scott's service, though. I do. I, I like Only the playoff g- appearance in 21 years. <laughs> yeah, but I like Scott's service, so I have trouble blaming Scott's service. But at some point, you got to look at the manager and you got to look at the GM, and I think DePoto deserves some more blame. Yeah, that's where I – I mean, that that's what my whole point was, is it's about DePoto yeah. because of the moves. Um, the A.J. Pollock move, you know, on paper looks okay. It didn't even – wasn't that exciting, and it's mm-hmm. – Turned out even less than what it looked yeah, like on paper. And same horrid. with Wong. Same with Hernandez. It's turned out less than what you would expect it on paper, even though it was like decently exciting. So I'm looking more at Jerry, I think. And you gotta remember. We're looking at you, Jerry. He is the reason Scott Service is the manager. They were teammates, they're buddies. 
he wasn't a manager getting jobs in this league. Yeah, they're married to each other. Yeah, so I think they stay and they go together. Um, I would like to see a little more fire out of Scott. Mm-hmm. Like, I tweeted a video yesterday on Mariners on Tap. Um, Lloyd McKinnon. Yeah, Lloyd McClendon. Clendon, sorry. Lloyd McClendon. Like, backing up Mike Zanino on when he was arguing, came out, kicked his own hat. Made, when he got kicked out, he made go every single ump and mm-hmm. yell at them before he left. That shit sparks a team. Last year, our winning streak came from when Jesse Winker came in and tried to knock a guy out. Exactly. And then there was a brawl, and then, you know, we had some suspensions, and somehow we get we went on a 14-game winning streak. Sometimes you need some emotion. So maybe Scott we should throw at calm. someone's head. No, maybe somebody needs to get when they get thrown at. Throwing at someone's head I don't think causes good emotion. I think somebody needs to throw at us, get pissed, attack. Charge the mound, attack. Throw shit, break shit. Uh, I mean, I don't know what he says in the Delgado. Maybe he is a yeller screamer and he's different like many is on TV. But I, you're right. I need to see some sparks, some emotion. Lou Pinello, our whole fan base loves Lou Pinello. He was the biggest fucking hothead you could possibly imagine. He used to throw shit, break shit. Just the raw emotion. And you're right. I don't always see that out of Scott. Yeah, I mean, we know what Scott's like in the dugout for the most part from just like what people say too. He's he's a cool, calm, and collected yeah. guy. So like, I'm pretty sure he's nothing like Lou Pinella in the dugout. I'm pretty sure he's not that aggressive, even during a losing streak. I'm not saying he does nothing or doesn't get emotional, but we know he's not the most like outwardly pissed off type of guy. I wouldn't really describe him as fiery. He's not fiery at all. <laughs> but once again, I don't know how much of a manager change is going to help if. You know, whatever. If I don't want to see it. By the way, I don't want to see a manager change. I'd only want to see it if it's like we're bringing in Joe Madden or something. Like somebody that's won World Series and it's like, wow, what a, what a, what a move. What a move. But then yeah. he went, like he's bombed at places too. I don't count the Angels for anything because they. Yeah, everyone bombs they on the Angels. two best players in baseball that came. And no matter the manager, they can't make the playoffs. That's so reason. sad for them. So, like, I don't know if that's a Joe Madden problem because he's also gone in one World Series. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, no hate to George, Joe Madden. But also, no hate to DePoto and Scott because, once again, everything we're talking about, George, is very based on if things continue to go bad. And there is a chance, as we saw last year, as you see in baseball every single year, there is a chance that things turn around and aren't bad. Absolutely. And that's where I'm kind of leaning that, towards the hope right I'm now. hoping, my yeah. hope. I don't think you can fire your manager or your GM halfway into a season the year after you made made it out of the wild card round. Like, they did win a playoff series last year, too. So it's not like they went to the playoffs, got swept, it was over. Like, they were competing in the playoffs. They went into deep inning games with the World Series champions. It'd be a pretty shocking move to me if we made a change right now. Couldn't agree more. Is that all we got for Mariners today? That's it. That's the M's. Turn it around, baby. That's the M's. If you're listening, uh, I haven't decided what we're doing with our feeds yet, so I'm just going to say it on the pod, though. We might have a Mariners feed by itself that you, people just like Mariners and a Seahawks feed by itself. But most likely you're listening to the full version of the Sports on Tap Seattle podcast. The second half of this podcast after this segment is a Seahawks segment, so stay tuned. Next up, Seattle Seahawks. Oh, the good old Seahawks. George, before you even get into your first question, I'm just going to have one comment and one comment only. Yeah. I don't know if this is even a topic on the podcast about the throwback jerseys. Is it It's a not. Okay. They announced today, week eight, a one o'clock game against the Cleveland Browns. 
I know it's a money move because the NFL probably doesn't want them to do it on like a thanks the Thanksgiving game because then like there's no extra appeal for the Browns Week Eight. But I'm a little disappointed it's just Week Eight against the Browns. I thought they'd wear it more than once. Uh, they're only wearing it once, Week Eight, one o'clock game. I really would have loved to see San Francisco wear their all white like kind of throwback ones I love with those. the Seahawks blue and silver helmets on Thanksgiving. I think that would have been a great showcase, or at least do it both those times. That's my only comment. I'm obviously excited for those jerseys. I think they're better than our main jerseys right now with the silver helmets and everything, but I'm just disappointed it only happened once. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I love the jerseys, but uh, I kind of feel like I really don't like our main jerseys very much, so I just wait. I'm with you. I wish they would go with those ones, but Week 8, it is feels a little like deflating. Yeah, like Week 8 against the Browns? Come on. Like, do it against the 49 Exactly. That's all I'm saying. But here's my question for you, Sammy, today. So reports are that Russell Wilson basically vetoed a trade, would not waive his no-trade clause to the Eagles. He, there was a deal done with the Eagles. He got traded through the Broncos. We and know the, the rest of us. And the Commanders. We know the rest of his story. Jalen Hurts would be our quarterback, most likely, or a competition of Geno Smith. Would you have rather seen that package come back to us, get Jalen Hurts and whatever the Eagles were going to offer us, or are you happy with the Broncos trade? Which one would you have rather seen? I have a feeling. I, I've been trying to deep read into this because – there's no definitive answer. I've tried to see from the Adam Schefter tweets. I've read a lot of articles. Some people are saying that Jalen Hurts was not part of the trade. Some are saying he probably would have been. And I don't know which one's true because you don't know. Like, it is a – at the time, he was just a young quarterback. Like, I don't know if they were planning on keeping him behind him and doing a lot of draft right. picks. Like, obviously, we all thought wrong when we thought Drew Locke was an important part of the trade, trying it's to get a young true. quarterback. So it could have been the same thing of Jalen Hurts, but maybe even the Eagles said, no, no Jalen Hurts in there. Well, let's assume Jalen Hurts was in there. Like, that makes this way more fun and a whole different story because then all of a sudden Jalen Hurts is not, like, that MVP candidate, uh, or maybe he was with the Seahawks. But on the Eagles, he would probably – it would be a whole different story, right, with Jalen Hurts on the team. Yes. We don't know if Geno would have had his chance. We really don't know anything. We don't know anything is a problem. Yeah. Number one. Number two is – Jalen Hurts would require a two hundred and forty-two million dollar contract, whatever it is, right? It's like it's like a Lamar Jackson contract. Yeah. While Gino was a hundred and five million, uh, we wouldn't end up with Tariq Willen, who was a top five to seven sit, uh, corner in the NFL yeah. last year. Um, we wouldn't have ended up with a uh, uh, Charles Cross for the offensive line. We wouldn't have had the ninth pick from the Broncos. We wouldn't have the fifth pick this year for Devin Witherspoon. Well, we don't know. We don't know what the Eagles would have done with Russ. We might have had the third pick. I mean, that team is much better than the Broncos. Really. Yeah. That'd but be shocking if they were – there's no – I see no – this is where why I actually like the Broncos trade more. And obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But, like, uh, you have to take into factor, like, what team Russ got traded to. That Broncos team was struggling for four or five years. That Eagles team was stacking up the roster. And I we agree. don't even know how good, you know – Russell Wilson was sick when he was a low-paid quarterback with a, a bunch of great build rosters. Right. So was Jalen Hurts. I don't know what Jalen Hurts' next five years is going to look like. And now he might be great. He looked great last year. But I'm just saying Jalen Hurts was very much in the Russell Wilson situation these last couple of years where it was a young, extremely built, well team. So that I would be extremely shocked if that Eagles team with Russell Wilson was not a playoff team. Because I don't think Russell Wilson's as bad as he showed last year. Me I either. think that's a big, like, the big part of it is the Broncos were not very good, which is why they were the ninth pick when we uh, 
got the pick last yeah. year, and that's why they're the fifth pick when we got the pick this year. So I'm not sure. Now, obviously, it's so easy to say, well, if the Eagles trade a Jalen Hurts, we'd have Jalen Hurts, and, like, Jalen Hurts went to the Super Bowl. Right, right. That's why, that's why it's more fun to assume that Jalen Hurts is on the trade. It's like more fun. Yeah, but I, I'm going to stick to the idea of I love what happened with our trade. Me too. I don't think there could have been a better scenario. Exactly how I see it. We ended up with Devin Witherspoon. We ended up with, like, like just look at our draft last year. Everything in your draft would be different just based on one pick being different, right? Of course. So, like, we ended up with Charles Cross, Tariq Woolen, Kenneth Walker. This year we ended up with Devin Witherspoon to the world. We got a center. We got Jackson Smith and Jigba. We, like, and then we got Geno Smith who played at a high level and got his contract at a way cheaper price, half the price, actually, like, almost, like, like 60% less than Jalen Hurts, almost, uh, 50% almost. Yeah. More than 50%. Jalen Hurts is like 240 million. Geno's like 105. Yeah, so way less. Yeah, so it's so hard to look and be like, wow, that trade could have been any better because I don't know if there's ever been as successful of a trade for like one player in the NFL history. Right. No, no. I would never, I won't, <laughs> I would not get rid of that trade for any reason. So I like my quite like my thing is whether or not you think, where you think about Jalen Hurts, that this trade we had is the best trade ever. Yeah. And now, like I said, with Jalen Hurts, uh, you never know. I'd be like, holy shit, we have Jalen Hurts, and he's like in his 20s. But I just don't think the rest of the roster would be the same, and I don't know if – I just don't think this, this one-year quick rebuild into a playoff team would have been as successful. I agree. Off, like, right out of the gates. So I'm going to stick with because this trade went, like, practically perfect. It's really hard to say a trade would have better. Now, if, if last year we were 7 and – well, how many games are there now, Jesus? Seven and nine team? Yeah. Seven and ten. Seven and ten team. This whole conversation would be different. Even if Gino played well, we'd be like, oh, the team's not very good. But we made the playoffs, so yep. it's really easy to mask like any deficiencies we had last year and say the trade was amazing. That's how I feel. Exactly how I feel. Yeah, so I'm going to stick with the Broncos trade. Same here. Because it couldn't go any better. Thank you, Broncos. All right, Sam. So I went on Bard. AI, artificial intelligence. Google AI. Google's AI, and asked them to rank the quarterbacks in the NFL to see where Geno Smith is. And I'm going to go with, I'm going to tell you who are the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. Spoiler alert, Geno's in the top 10 to them. One, Patrick Mahomes. Two, Aaron Rodgers. Three, Josh Allen. Four, Lamar Jackson. Five, Joe Burrow. Six, Justin Fields. Seven, Trevor Lawrence. Eight, Justin Herbert. Nine, Daniel Jones. And 10, Geno Smith. Um, Jalen Hurts is missing off that list, by the way. Uh, so we won the trade. Uh, yeah. Um, That's why we didn't do the Eagles trade, George. Don't always trust artificial intelligence, folks. But yeah, Geno Smith is the t- ranked 10th best quarterback in the NFL, which I don't necessarily think is wrong. I think he is about the 10th best quarterback in the NFL, but they're missing some key guys there. Like Justin Fields and Daniel Jones probably shouldn't be in the top 10 here. And probably should put Jalen Hurts, and I'm probably missing someone else. I'm just was not. Josh Allen on that list? Yeah, Josh Allen was, was on Lamar? Lamar was. Herbert? Herbert was. You said the list so fast. I'm trying to just – was Rodgers on the list? Rodgers was on the list at number two. I'll say it again. Mahomes, Rodgers, Allen, Jackson, Burrow, Fields, Lawrence, Herbert, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith. I don't know who I'm missing here, but there are some key, key players missing. I mean, you could look at a couple – I could argue is like a Jared Goff might be better than Daniel Jones. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, Matt Dak, Stafford. Dak Prescott. Yeah. 
You know, I think the list is not that bad, though. Um, yeah, it's just that Justin Fields yeah. uh, and Daniel Jones in the top 10. That really kind of threw stuff off. And Daniel Jones had a better season last year, though. So yeah, he did. Um, but that's, you know, it's kind of crazy to think. Gino probably is somewhere near the top 10. I would probably have Hurts a little bit above him. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't have Fields on that list at all. Me either. I'd put Gino right there, like nine, ten, with Jared Goff, and take off Jones and Fields, and mm-hmm. put in Jalen Hurts. And I think the list is actually decently accurate. Um, you know, AI is probably using a lot of like what people tweet. I lot. I think a lot of people love Justin Fields. Yeah, it says here. Uh, I have Gino Smith ranked at ten on my list because I'm not sure of his consistency as a starter. I love his brilliance. Last year, but he has also been inconsistent. If he can stay tel- healthy, he's definitely in the top ten. I mean, well, he already was in the top. Yeah. 10. So, um, if he plays like he played last year, he's actually the eighth, ninth, or tenth best quarterback. Yeah, in and in the NFC, all of a sudden, he's like the third. Who's better than him in the NFC outside of Jalen Hurts for sure? Other than that, there's no for sure. And like Jalen Hurts. Let's let's just say the Eagles, you know, they have to pay him. The roster gets cut a little bit. Yeah. Goff, Hurts, Stafford, if he comes back healthy. Gino, and then, like, maybe. A Dak. Dak, maybe a guy like Brock Purdy, if he comes back from injury and he plays like he did last year. He's injured, though. He's not even playing start the year. Kyler Murray's injured, not even playing start the year. Um, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. I'd probably put Cousins over Fields and uh, and Daniel Jones, Me too. Me too. I think Geno fits right there with the Fields, Dak, Goff, Hurts. Yep, that's like where his – Stafford. Like, a little – I would put Hurts a little higher, but then throw Geno right around those guys. But maybe even maybe the, Stafford a little higher if he comes back. If healthy. he's healthy. I think Stafford looks like he's towards the end of his career. So. Yeah, I think – we're in a really lucky situation with Tom Brady leaving, Aaron Rodgers leaving, Russell Wilson obviously left our team, but he's out of the uh, right. NFC. There's not that much competition at quarterback in the NFC. No, it's really not. We're going to see a lot of backup play for the Niners to start the year because they don't even know who their quarterback is. Is it? Is it going to be uh, Purdy when he comes back? Is it Trey Lance? Like who? Is it Sam Darnold? Yeah, like Sam Darnold. I forgot about him. Is it them? You have Kyler Murray. Who knows if they're like – one in seven he might not even come back and save his knee for the next year mm-hmm. um who's the raiders quarterback now uh jimmy garoppolo but that's oh, yeah. afc yeah he's afc sorry god who's in the nfc lions have Goff. david carr saints Derek carr Derek carr david's, david's his brother, brother. Yeah. um i'm not worried about Derek carr man the nfc Baker mayfield or uh the guy from Florida. Kyle Trask. Yeah. Yeah, th- there is not much competition at quarterback in the NFC. No. The fact Bryce that- Young, if he hits quick. I'm also not too concerned about him, at least for the first year. Me too. I, I truly believe Goff is easily in the top three or four in the NFC. And that's, uh, you know, that can equal to a run to a NFC championship type of play. If you have a good roster around a top three or four quarterback in your conference. Yeah, you can easily make a run. Yeah. I think that's not the crazy. If we were talking about this at the beginning of last year, we'd be like, what the hell are we talking I about? I know, but the AFC's loaded. The NFC's quarterbacks are not loaded, like in general. I mean, I like where Geno is. I really hope he doesn't regress, at least, or much. Even if he regresses a little bit, where he's still fine. 
I know. I just really hope he doesn't because that, that was really cool. It was like, absolutely sick. And he actually came back from being a guy that was on the bench, got sucker punched, nobody liked him, team to team, back up for, what, like four years on yep. the Seahawks, and they're like, yeah, you know what, you're, you're the starter now. Like, oh, we got rid of our Super Bowl-winning quarterback who was a top-ten quarterback in the NFL, and we're going to start Geno Smith. Okay. I was like, I was so on Team Drew Locke. I was so wrong. I know. And then Geno comes in and plays phenomenal football. So and Absolutely they gorgeous. only added two running backs. They only added – a center. They only added Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm-hmm. They only added key pieces on the defense. This team is much better than they were last year, 100%. too. And Jamal Adams is coming back. Bobby Wagner's back. We have a lot going on in a positive direction. So as long as Geno Smith plays close enough to what he played last year, even if it's a slight regression, we have an extreme shot of having a top five quarterback in the NFC, which means we'll probably be a top five team in the NFC. 100%. I love it. That's exactly where we are. I love the Seahawks team. I'm so happy how this all turned out. And I'm shocked. Very. All right, Sam. The Seahawks do have some stacked weapons. DK, Lockett, JSN, K9. And, you know, there has only been two teams in NFL history with four players to get 1,000 yards. Can the Seahawks be the third team? I'm saying all four of those guys get a thousand yards. I don't think it can happen. The Colts did it in 2004 with Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Brandon Stokely, and Edge James. The 95 Falcons did it with Eric Metcalf and Metcalf. Here's the Metcalf. DK Metcalf. Bird Emanuel, Terrence Mathis, and Craig Hayward, who ran for a thousand yards. Could the Seahawks be the second team to ever, third team to ever do that? I don't, I don't think that's possible. Um, it might happen, but I just don't think it's. I think there's a reason we went ahead and got Kenny McIntosh. There's a reason we, uh, what was it, Zach Charbonnet? Yeah. Um, the Seahawks love utilizing a lot of backs too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we have tight ends that Geno's going to throw to, and like, and with Fant and Disley. Uh, there's always a fourth receiver. There's always like the Marquise Goodwin that takes like three, four hundred yards from a receiver <laughs> for the Seahawks. I just think we're gonna have such a. I think it's gonna be a very balanced offense, but balance doesn't always mean there's like four guys that are popping off. Yeah, right? I mean, you have DK of twelve hundred, Tyler of nine hundred, JSN of eight fifty. That's popping off. And Kenneth Walker of yeah. nine hundred and thirty rushing yards, and that's, that's like, like wow, that's great. That's an insane season, but right. it's like not. There's all a reason. Balanced. It hasn't been done since 04, and it's only been done twice, and that's because the running back position isn't what it used to be, where you would like literally have a workhorse back. Like even if Kenneth Walker had 900 yards this year and 12 touchdowns, that's a very successful season. He doesn't have to rush for a thousand yards. Yeah, and I think DK barely passed the thousand mark last year, so like it's not like it's a. Is that a given? Yeah, as good as DK was last year, he was at. Uh, 1,048 yards. Yeah. So, so like, it's hard to get 1,000 yeah. yards. Although, we have to remember, those there all There are happen- 17 yeah. games now. Those That's all happen with 16. That's what I was saying. you got to remember it's 16. Now it's 17. So that makes it a higher chance. But Gino would have to play out of his mind to get three receivers 1,000 yards also. I know. And then you'd need Kenneth Walker to just be like a workhorse. Like, I don't even know how that happened in the past. Like, how many times did the the – like, how many yards per rush was the running backs getting? Like, you have to have an insane offense for that to happen. So I'm going to go for a simple not happening. Okay. Um, Me too. But I just think it's cool that 
just to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, all. I mean, the odds are in the favor of not happening yeah. because it's happened twice ever. Um, but I do think, like we were saying, you know, you can have a guy at 1,200, a guy at 900, another guy at 800. That's a – the offense, that's a historical type of receiving core without – passing that thousand. yeah the one thing i do want to say though is like i also don't think it's going to happen but just the fact that we're talking about it here we have some freaking amazing weapons man yeah our weapons are insane i mean the jackson smith and jigba pickup he's probably the best receiver in the draft mm-hmm. um dk metcalf has been sensational tyler lockett i mean if you're not a seattle seahawks fan listening to this for some reason I'm just going to say, like, he is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. He's Absolutely. year in and year out one of the top 10 to 12 receivers in the league and doesn't get much recognition for it. He doesn't get the – he's been better than OBJ for the last 10 years and doesn't get a single word about him, and OBJ is exactly. like a superstar still somehow. If only he could <laughs> dance like OBJ does. Yeah. Or the one if he had a one-handed catch. Tyler Lockett's just smart and goes down so he doesn't get hit. Um and Jackson Smith is learning from Lockett and Metcalf. That's not like a yeah. It's, and he's a rookie. To get yeah. a thousand yards as a rookie would be very, very dis- insane. Yeah, he's not Justin Jefferson. No, I mean, but I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. But he's not Justin Jefferson. But he is a guy that's learning from some of the best in the business and can have a stellar rookie year. And I, I hope he does surprise us all and get a thousand yard year. But uh. I don't mean this in any negative way because they are going to be one hell of a football team, and that's going to be one hell of an offense as long as Geno Smith doesn't regress too much. Absolutely. Which hopefully he doesn't. Hopefully he gets he better. He won't. He won't. He'll get better. And Geno we trust. Yeah, I actually do think he's going to get Me better too. a little bit. I don't think it's going to be crazy much better because I don't think – I think he's close to his ceiling. But I don't think he's going to regress. I think that sometimes in sports, George, and in life and, and, and anything, you need a little bit of a confidence like spark, and then you're – Smooth sailing. Absolutely. Like you see it in baseball. A guy starts off the season well, he has a good season. Starts it off bad, might have a bad season. So yeah. you Moment- just need a confidence. Momentum is part of life. Yeah. So shout out Gino and shout out Momentum. I, can you shout out Momentum for me? Shout out Momentum, Thank baby. you. Thank you. Just want some Momentum love here. That's all we got for today. Um, the Sports on Tap Seattle podcast, two parts, Mariners, Seahawks. You can find us everywhere at Sant Seattle, S-O-N-T, stands for Sports on Tap, S-O-N-T Seattle. That's on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, wherever, TikTok, wherever you want to find us, at Mariners on Tap, specifically on Twitter, realistically. And there's Mariner stuff mixed in on our Seattle pages everywhere. Um, and uh, make sure you guys uh, like and subscribe to everything, YouTube, podcast. We need the love. We do. The more love, the better, baby. It's good momentum. Shout out momentum, right? Absolutely. Thank you. We're all about momentum on this podcast, and uh, we're all about Seattle sports. And uh, George? What's up, man? You know what we like to say? Thanks for stopping by. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.